Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Support for today's episode of Truth and Justice comes from ABC Network's new weekly drama series, Conviction. Each year in America, thousands of people are wrongfully convicted. That's why the Conviction Integrity Unit was assembled. Follow the investigations of this elite team who have only five days to determine if the seemingly innocent should be set free. The series is inspired by real events and is from the executive producer of Criminal Minds. Conviction stars Haley Atwell and it premiered on Monday, October 3rd. I've watched the first episode along with Becky and Mike and we're all hooked. This show is great. And the first episode will really give you some deja vu back to the Adnan Syed case. Like I said, it premiered on Monday, October 3rd, and it'll be on Monday nights at 10, 9 central on ABC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff, and in today's episode, we are continuing on with our investigation into the murder of Elnora Griffin. This has been a trying couple of weeks. We have spent months investigating this case, and all the evidence seemed to be starting to point towards one central suspect. The person with the most circumstantial evidence pointing towards them was Leonard Mosley. We know that Elnora was expecting Leonard to come over that night. We know that she cooked him a meal. We know that he left her a message saying he was coming over that night. He says he got home at 12.10. Angela says he didn't get home till 12.45. We don't know where he was at the next morning. His excuse for not going over as far as having to work on Friday doesn't seem to add up. We have a crime scene that indicates that the offender was someone who had a personal relationship with Elnora. If the semen that was on the scene matches his blood type, I was really starting to think that I was on the right track looking towards Leonard Mosley. But then I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm not so sure. I told you last week that Jim Clemente had put me in contact with Stan Burke and Jim Fitzgerald, and that they were going to analyze Leonard's interview. Well, I haven't been able to do that quite yet. I've spoken with Stan Burke. He is definitely willing to do it. But as Stan still has an affiliation with the FBI, he has to get approval from the Bureau before he can do that. So I haven't had the opportunity to get a statement analysis from him yet. However, I will tell you that I have had the interview listened to by some experts, and the responses that I've received have been the same as my take on the interview. There doesn't seem to be any indication of deception there. Now, there's some things that he told us that we know were lies, but they may not have been lies. He could have been misremembering. Or it's possible he was lying for a different reason. Remember that Leonard Mosley, all the way from back in the 90s, has always maintained this, Angela and I were just friends, and Elnor and I were together. Now that doesn't appear to be the case. It does appear that he's playing both of them. But the fact is that that lie could just be because he doesn't want people to know that he was playing two different women. It could have nothing to do with the crime at all. But in any case, we're still looking at this case with an open mind. 
we cannot put blinders on and get locked into one particular suspect. That's how people get wrongfully convicted. When investigators develop a theory and then refuse to come off of that theory. So we're not going to fall into that trap. We're going to continue to investigate every angle of this case until we figure it out. And after listening to Leonard Mosley's interview, as uncomfortable as it is, there's something that I believe needs to be done. And that is to investigate Ed's mother, Margie Jackson, for the murder of Elnora Griffin. And that's exactly what we're doing today. I spent the last week going through everything that we know about Margie. And the fact is that we really don't know a lot. We have Leonard claiming that she shot and killed his brother and that she shot several other people. I've spoken to Margie before, and it's pretty clear that she does have a violent past. We don't really know where she was that night. At one point, she had said that she was out looking for drugs and Ed was driving her. But to be honest, I think that was just her attempt at trying to create an alibi for Ed. Because the idea of him driving her around to look for drugs really doesn't make any sense. As you're about to hear from Margie in this interview, Margie Jackson really isn't afraid of anything. And she had a car, and Ed didn't. So it really doesn't make any sense that Ed would be driving her around. That really doesn't tell us much other than we really don't know where she was at that night. In the defense category for Margie Jackson... Elnora was found nude, and there was semen on the scene and possibly on her body. So that certainly would indicate a male party at least being present at the time of her murder. But without having any more information than that, I really had no other choice but to get on the phone with Margie and question her about this murder. And that's what you're about to hear. Okay, I have Margie Jackson on the phone. This is Ed's mom. And as you're all aware that you heard Leonard Mosley's interview last week that Leonard threw some suspicion on Margie. And, you know, to make sure that we're checking down all leads, I asked Margie if she'd be willing to come on an interview with me just like Leonard did so I can ask her about some of the allegations that were made and things like that. And and you can hear right from Margie her opinions about all of this and, and let you all hear this interview. So first of all, thanks, Margie, for taking the time to do this with me. You're so welcome. Okay, so Margie, let's just get right into it. So I told you before we started recording here that when I interviewed Leonard Mosley, that he immediately told me that he thinks that you were involved in the murder of Elnora Griffin. And, mm -hmm. he, and he gave a few reasons why. So the first question I just have to ask you point blank is, did you kill Elnora Griffin? You asking me that? Yes. No. Okay. And do you know who did kill Elnora Griffin? No. Okay. I have an idea, but I don't know if that's what you want to hear. If you have an idea, let, let's hear it. What do you think happened? Francis Johnson. Okay. Why do you think that Francis Johnson killed Elnora Griffin? Because when Elnora first moved here from Dallas or wherever she was running from, she was running from drug cartel, okay? And she moved in that trailer house next door to Johnny, which is her cousin. Right. And he was dating Johnny at the time. Francis was. Francis was, okay. So uh, uh, Johnny uh, bragging and boasting to her friends and stuff about the young man that she had. And when Elnora came, she brought it. She wanted Elnora to meet him. Well, when he met Elnora, he wanted Elnora, okay? 
Okay, so you're saying that Johnny Pryor was dating Francis before Elnora got there? I, I know she was. Now, listen, okay. the reason I know it is because he was down there a lot. Okay. And also, uh, it came out when uh, he dropped Johnny and started dating Elnora. Okay. They live next door to each other, plus I think they're like cousins. They are cousins, some kind of way. Okay. So how does that lead into you think that Francis Johnson is the one that killed Elnora? Because he came to my house. Okay, they said she was stabbed. Am I right? Francis came to your house and said she was stabbed? No, 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 no. I'm just saying she was stabbed with a knife. Right. And he was on his way. He he had come down there and asked her for money. Okay. And and he told me all of this. I didn't ask him for it. He told me all of this. Okay. He said he went down there and asked her for $20, and she told him she didn't have it. And he kind of knocked her around a little bit, you know, thinking that she was just lying. This is what he told you? Francis Johnson. Okay. And then after Francis Johnson uh, had, you know, I guess had did her so bad, and she was trying to get him off of her, um, I think Johnny came over, because Johnny heard the records. I think Johnny came over, mm -hmm. but somehow he left. Okay. And she told him that when when Leonard got off work, that was Leonard Mosley. Uh huh. See, Francis Johnson's name is is Leonard Francis Johnson too. Okay. So that's how the two Leonards got in there. Okay. And um, she told him to come back after Shorty came from work, because he was gonna give her some money. Well, that night Shorty came. Francis Johnson standing out in Miss McGowan's yard behind the tree, waiting for Leonard to leave, thinking he was gonna come in and just drop some money off and leave. But he stayed there and had sex with him. Mosley but he didn't did. give Shorty, her no money. Shorty did? No. Fra uh, uh, Shorty had sex with her. Okay. And Francis was outside standing behind Johnny's tree okay. waiting for him to leave. So okay. when Francis, after he left, Francis went back to Elnora's house, I guess, and asked for the money. Mm -hmm. And uh, she told him he didn't give her any money because he said that he didn't, hadn't cashed his check. So okay. I'm sure that made Francis Johnson piping hot because a crackhead will kill you about your own money. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And that's what he was, a crackhead. And she, uh, I guess, was fighting for her life in there. You know what I'm talking about? And But uh -huh. now, I didn't hear anything because, but see, I wasn't even dating Francis then. Francis didn't start dating me until way later because he was trying to keep up with that case when he found out they had arrested Edward for it. Okay. And so he, he jumps on me and started dating, and he was working for Tom Barber in town, and that was like a contractor, you know, he built big stuff, you know, office buildings and stuff. Uh-huh. And he would make me go to work with him. Well, Mr. Barber put me on the payroll because I could drive uh, those big tractors, you know, those Calatoa things. Right, right. And so he put me on the payroll, so that put me and Francis Johnson together every day and every night. For nearly eight months. When you and Francis started dating, how long was it after the murder? Was it before Ed was arrested, or after, or was this years later? It was. It was after. It was after. Uh, uh, it was arrested. Cause see, that's what he was trying to do, get to me so he could keep up with that case. 
because I went to school with him 11 years, and that son of a bitch never even said good morning to me or goodbye or hello at a basketball game or baseball, anything. He never even paid me any attention all the time we were in school. Okay. And I mentioned this to him, you know, when he came to me trying to start dating. But the first thing out of his mouth was, I was working at the corner store. And he came and told me, he said, I want us to smoke some crack together. I said, who told you I smoke crack? He said, that's all right, I know. And that's how we got together. Okay, but so that's you, the you only were, reason that he, huh? You did crack at that time? Well, I was, I started when I met him. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I, I had been, I had, yeah, I had done some. I sure had because I had a girlfriend that did it. And I used to transfer for her from to and from where she ever was going to get it because she would be so high, I would be scared, you know, that she was going to get hurt. Uh-huh. So, so she called me and I'd go pick her up and that's how I started, you know, uh, practicing with her. Okay. But crack was something that I did, but it was something that I did, but it didn't, it was not, it didn't become addictive to me until I got to Francis John. Okay. I could do it and, 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 you know, do it that night and get up and go to work and do everything else I needed to do and take care of my family and the home and car and everything else. Okay. Do you still, um, do you still use drugs today? No. Oh, no. See, I quit. Let me see. I'm trying to think when I quit. I believe my daughter was in the 10th grade. I don't know what year that was, but she can tell me if I, you know, I need to know. Mm-hmm. And because uh, when I realized that my daughter could dance, you know, did that dr- dance and drill thing. Uh-huh. I said, I'm going to give this shit up and spend my money on my daughter. Oh, that's awesome. And you know what I did? Let me tell you something. I just decided that I was going to quit, and I quit. So everybody told me, oh, you can't do that. You're going to have to go to to those meetings. You know, they were having those meetings. And I went to one of those meetings, and that was the most boring thing I'd ever seen in my life. That was more boring than some churches I've been to, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to drive up here twice a week for this shit. All I got to do is make my mind up. And I mean, I made my mind up and I quit. Cold turkey. Yes, cold turkey. Awesome. Cold turkey. Well, congratulations on that. I wish my mother was living so she could tell you the same thing I'm telling you. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was living with her at the time. And my mother hated Francis Johnson. You know, my mother was, you know, after you get a certain age and you've been around so many people and shit. You kind of look at a son of a bitch and kind of know him, you know? Right. It, well, I'm not going to say know him, but you can judge. Right. And that might be the wrong word to use, but that's what that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at Francis Johnson, he's kind of your prime suspect. So he told you that the night of the murder that he had went there, he had asked Elnora for $20. They had a fight about it. He told you uh-huh. that he then left. She told him to come back after Leonard Mosley came. And uh-huh. you say he waited in Johnny's backyard? After- uh, he waited in Johnny's front yard. And in, in, it's a tree in her yard. Oh, okay. Now, this is what he told me. He told me he stood behind that tree. When Shorty drove up, he stood behind that tree until Shorty left. Because he, he, he thought he was going to get the money, but see, Shorty hadn't cashed his check. Uh-huh. So he couldn't give him the money. But Francis Johnson just thought she was lying, I guess. So he commenced to beating her, you know, and trying to make her give him money. 
And I guess he killed her. He, he, you know, it, it, the beating that he gave her killed her. He didn't. Because they said that she was stabbed with a knife. Uh-huh. And let me tell you, later on, after he started dating me, he came to my house one time. Well, he had been there, oh, about two or three weeks, I guess. And then he, he left one day and he came back and we had a little barn fire. We would have little barn fires outside, you know, uh-huh. uh, of my house. Cause we were deep country, you know. Right, right. And uh, so all of a sudden, this night, he went to his car and he unlocked the trunk of his car. And he brought out a bloody pillow, and he brought out a big old knife. You know, it was like made like the regular pocket knife, but it was one of them big jobs, you know. Was it the type of knife that, like, folds or just a straight blade, like in a sheath? Or what it, kind of- it, fold, it folded. It had two blades. It had a, it had a high one. You know how they, kind of, how they make them? They have one that you can catch and pull up, uh-huh. and then the other one is a little lower that you can open. Okay. And he took that knife out of his car with that bloody pillow, and he threw that pillow on the fire. Okay. And then he dropped the knife on the fire. So I was just, I think I told you this, but I was scrambling trying to get the knife, you know, because it was a great fishing knife. You know what I'm saying? You know how you right. cut cut something or uh, kill a catfish with a knife. It, it was great for that. So I wanted the knife. Uh-huh. He like to broke my damn arm. Trying to keep me from getting it. And the next morning when we got up, after the fire died down, we brought up everything. I got up that next morning. It wasn't an ash out there. He had gotten up earlier than me and disposed of it. Took the ashes away? it's down there on that Jesse Jackson place somewhere. It's down there on that place somewhere. But there's a lake in the front of Jesse Jackson's house. And it's... uh, Another one, I think I don't. I think it's to the right, but it's on the back side of that house. I wish I could get with you and we could go down there and look, and you know, take a look. And it's also a wet marsh, you know, right down the road there. He mm-hmm. could have thrown it out there, you know, because it's so uh, damp out there all the time. Water stands, but it's not enough to, you know, it's just wet all the time. Right, right. But it's it's on that place just as sure as my name is Marjorie Dudes H Jackson Jackson. Right. It's on that place because that, that son of a bitch was doing that because he was wanting, he if the law did come to me for anything and if they ever searched, you know, they would find that there. What, I was talking to Ed's wife, Kim, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. She told me that you had told her that same story way back uh-huh. in the 90s. Did you ever tell the police about any of that? Um, I don't think I did because I don't think. After they convicted Edward, I, you, you, you know how you just kind of give up? Yeah. I just gave up. I never thought about telling the police about that. Okay. But I have no reason to lie, you know, and, and I'm a lot of things. But a liar is not one of them. Right. Because I, I, I pretty well walked walk the line and shit, and I walked the straight line. I don't have anything to hide because, you know, I was raised well, and, and I do well by myself, and I don't I don't owe nobody shit. You know what I'm talking about? Right. So I walk around with my head up high because I'm proud. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. I'm proud. Yep. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So let me go back to another thing. You mentioned earlier, you said that Elnora left Dallas. You said something about a drug cartel. Do you know why she left Dallas? Because no one seems to know. Because she, she, because she had sold a bunch of drugs and ran off with their money. Really? Damn sure did. How how did you find and out John, about and that? Johnny know it too because Johnny helped Johnny helped her Johnny helped squash the idea that she was here. Now Johnny used to come up and talk to my mother and tell my mother everything. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But I didn't like Johnny because she, after because Johnny was only up there using my mother to you know feed her breakfast, lunch, and dinner mm-hmm. because she was a poor bitch down there trying to be all Miss Ann and shit and didn't even have enough food to eat. Okay, so did Johnny tell you about the drug money, or did Elnora tell you that? Or where did you hear about that? Oh, no, Elnora told my mother, and I was listening. Okay. Elnora told my mother, and I was listening. Okay, so she told your mom that she was selling drugs and ran off with the money? She told Mama that the reason, Mama said something to her about, how can you move from one town to the next town with nothing but the clothes you got on your back. You know, my mother was, my mother was like I am. She's going to get to the bottom of it. Right. And she told Mama that she had got into some trouble in Dallas, and she just couldn't work get herself out of that trouble, so she had to leave running, and she didn't want nobody to know where she was. That's why she came down here. Uh, she was running from, she was running. Well, let me see. Let me put it in a better order. She was a drug dealer. Or either she was a drug dealer, deliverer, and then she was using drugs. So she had messed up a bunch of drugs for them people in Dallas, and they was after her ass, you know, because those people killed. Right. So that's how she ended up down here. I know her talk screen, after the murder and her autopsy, there was no sign of drugs in her system at all. Uh-huh. Do you think she was still using drugs, or she was using drugs there, or are you just, are you... I don't think that. she was using drugs, but I think that she wanted Francis Johnson so bad that she let him do it there. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. And Miss McGowan kind of dabbled in drugs for a while, too. Right. That's Johnny, is Miss McGowan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she, she dabbled in a little bit, too. Okay. Well, that that changes a lot with our with our victimology of Elnora as far as where her, her risk factors were at. The night of the murder. Where were you at on the night of the murder? Hell, I can't remember. <laughs> Let me see. Okay, I, I had a house on deeper in the country. Okay. I was down there. I lived, we call it the old Jesse Jackson place. That's okay. when I was changing lakes that Francis Johnson moved in with me. 
mm-hmm. he knew he had somewhere to destroy stuff and wasn't nobody going to think of that because he knew I wasn't going to live there forever, you know? Right. Were you at your mom's house at all that evening? What evening? The evening that Elnora was killed. I was working at the corner store, so I can't remember if I came up there. Did I come up there? Yeah, I came up there. I was there at my mother's house. And Johnny came up there and got my mother. And and, uh, I guess uh, that lady must have been killed that night, but Miss McGowan didn't realize that she was dead until she came in from work that evening. And so they usually meet each other. At the corner right there, you know, at 2908, you know, one be getting off work and the other be going to work. Uh-huh. And she said that she didn't meet her that day and, and it just, it just unnerved her so because she knew Elnora wasn't tight to miss her. Uh-huh. And the first, first thing that she did was come home and instead of her going in, in Elnora's house herself to see, uh, knocking on the door, Elnora's car was still in the backyard. And she told Mama when she pulled up, she didn't even see her nose car. Mama said, oh, no, I'm here. You don't see it. I see it. Yeah, I walked around out there, and I I could see that from your mom's house, you could see see clearly right behind Johnny's house and the trailer. From Johnny's, you would kind of have to be in the backyard. So, so yeah, so that was the night. The night that her body was found, you were there, and Johnny came up and got your mom to go down and, and check on her? Yeah. Okay. And and then when I got to, when I went down there, I was going. Mama had said, Mama said, and and she's dead. That's what Mama said. Uh huh. And then when I got there, the police was turning in the driveway, you know, to coming to investigate this. Uh huh. And I guess Johnny called the police and told them. I, I'm I'm thinking. I'm I, I sure hope I'm not wrong. I'm not trying to tell you no lie. I just. I just, I'm 67 now. I just can't remember nothing. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Francis Johnson is your man because that son of a bitch came to my house way later. You know, he's, I told you he started dating me. Mm-hmm. And he came to my house with that big old knife and he threw it in the fire. We were having a bonfire one night because we were smoking crack then and we were waiting on the, on the drug man to bring us some drugs. So we just made a little fire in the driveway and was waiting on him to come outside. And that's when he pitched that knife in there and something, oh, that pillow. It was a pillow in the back of that car. His, he had a green 76 Grand Prix, which was used to be his mother's car, but she had bought her a new Ford, so he was driving around in that car. Mm-hmm. And that's what he threw on that fire. And he put that knife on there, and I was trying all out with all my might to try to get it out because it was a big old knife. It was perfect for fishing and shit. So I said, oh, don't throw that away. I said, that's a good knife. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was trying to get it. That's why it like broke my arm. Yeah. Do you, do you remember what color the pillow was? The pillow? Yeah. Well, I don't know what color it was, but it had like a white pillowcase on it. Okay. And uh, this is, see, when he killed that woman, now, this is my theory. When okay. he killed that woman, she cut the hell out of him. He got cut in that fight that night. And he went home and went straight to the bus station and got got on the bus and went back to Atlanta. Okay. And in the meantime, that son of a bitch was bleeding all that time. And the only thing that he had to absorb that blood was that pillow. Okay. You know how you can take a pillow when you're riding on a bus for a long trip? Mm-hmm. And... And he had that pillow, that pillow was bloody, 
And he looked in the back of his car at first. He came out with that pill and he pitched it on there. Well, I didn't say anything about it, you know, because it was kind of, you know, they, they never had to. They didn't buy good stuff. They just had something. They didn't have good stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not going to brag like my mother did. Uh-huh. You know, mama, mama bought uh, high-dollar pillars, Ralph Lauren pillars. I got mama's Ralph Lauren pillars right now. Right. And um, he took that pill out and threw it on there. And then when that pillar started to kind of melt, you know, whatever that little fiber stuff it is, and that started to kind of melt, it made a hell of a smoke. Mm-hmm. And then he pitched that knife on there. And I said, oh, don't throw that away. I said, that's a good knife. That's a good fishing knife. Don't do, don't go out of way. That something's like broke my arm. He didn't want me to get that knife. And the next morning when I got up to go out there to check on the fire, because it kind of worried me because it was pretty close to the house, but, you know, it was in the driveway clean, uh-huh. and I knew it wasn't going to spread to get to the house. Right. And uh, I went out there that next morning. Shit, I couldn't hardly find the west. He done moved everything. Mm-hmm. So what he was doing is trying his damnest to plant evidence around my house so that they could keep blaming it on my son. But Ed didn't, live with, Ed didn't live with you, right? No, but, you know, Ed would cut my yard and come to visit. And, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he drove my, one of my cars. Right. They didn't get find her with the wind the next day. Uh, yeah, the next day. Yeah, they found her like the next day. So everything had kind of fell down, but except for Francis Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I'm bleeding to see. I don't know if he was living in Dallas then. Well, he was in Atlanta, I think. Okay, he was in Atlanta. Yeah, he because he went. I think he caught a bus and told his ass right away. Right. But Miss McGowan, as sure as my name is Marjorie Dues H. Jackson Jackson, Miss McGowan know everything, and her and Francis Johnson was in that shit together. Because they said that she was stabbed by a left hand person. Did you ever? Is that in your report? Uh, it's not in the report, but the the forensics support that. Yeah, they said that she was she was stabbed by a left hand person, and Miss McGowan is left hand. Now Francis Johnson is a architect, and that son of a bitch could be even hand too. You know, some people can use both hands. Did you say architect? Well, whatever you call it, you call them people who build contractor. Contractor, yeah, yeah. Contractor, he builds stuff. What, what do you and know if he was good at what he does? He's good. Do you know if he is is strong hand? If he's normally right, like if he writes with his right hand or left hand? Do you remember that from when you were dating? Uh, I think he wrote with his right hand. Okay, are you right or left handed? Yeah. No, I'm right hand. Right handed, and uh-huh. Ed's right handed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kevin is too. JJ is too. And and JJ start my daughter. Uh, JJ started out writing her left hand because her dad was left hand. But honey, I start, I nipped that in the bud because I always said left hand people were crazy because my husband was crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> my assistant's left handed too, and he's a little crazy. <laughs> I hope he didn't hear you. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh yeah, he's sitting right there, <laughs> giving me dirty looks. All right, I think this is a good break point for us to hear about our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you remember the uh-huh. night before? Were you? Did you have dinner at your mom's house or anything? The, the, the evening she was actually killed? I don't even remember anything from the day before. Okay. Uh, see, I went up to Mama's every day because my daughter got off the bus there. Okay. Oh, at, so at your mom's house? Uh huh. So you would have been there at some point during that afternoon. So what now? So you would have been there at some point during that afternoon to get your daughter off the bus. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let, let me get into some of the the, the things that Leonard Mosley brought up. One thing that that he was telling me that he thought you did it because he said that you shot your husband. And I think you'd mentioned that to me before, but can you explain that situation? Mm-hmm. So what, I'm going to shoot the next time a bitch to be trying to whoop my ass because I'm a grown-ass woman. Right. The next time a bitch to try to whoop my ass, I'm going to shoot him. Next time, though, I'm going to be better, I'm going I'm to shoot until I kill him. So, so, and I'll tell it my way. So what happened? When did like what went on? What what led up to you shooting your husband? Let me see. Cause my husband was an abuser. He he liked to beat on women. Uh huh. And I'm and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this about myself proudly. Okay. Okay. I was a nice looking woman. I'm an educated woman. I kept myself up, and I dressed well. Okay. And I did the same thing to myself and my children. Mm-hmm. And some some bitches, especially like my husband. Now, my first husband, I shot the hell out of him too. Oh, you shot first one because just like I said, he they they just like they don't want us have a nice looking woman with them. They want you walking around with black eyes and big lips and bleeding and scratched all up in the face. I don't play that shit. Okay, if so I don't put my hands on you, don't put your hands on me. So, so both of your husbands were abusing you, and that's why you shot him. Yeah, and okay. and the sad part about it, the first one I shot him, he was trying to break. I had moved away from him and moved in in another apartment. He gonna break in my apartment, so I busted a cap on his ass too. All right, and then I married John Wayne, and. uh the boys was telling him, man, you don't need to fool. More to do, more to do is crazy. More to do carry a gun. You know, and just like I said, it wasn't any reason for him to be afraid of me because as long as you ain't trying to whip my ass, you don't have to see my gun. Right. They just, my first husband was a damn fool. He was the same way. But mm-hmm. they, they like to go out on Thursday. They, they get they get paid on Thursday. And you go out on Thursday, he don't come home until Sunday, 1 o'clock, and I be at church, you know, I be done cook Sunday dinner and stuff, and I come home, and that's how I be done ate up every day I'm playing in the kitchen. I, I left him for that. I left him for that because I felt like he was going to bring me some kind of disease from the more holes that was in Gladewater. You know, Gladewater is a wet town, and the women down there, you buy them a beer, and they'll do anything. Right. So, so did, did I, was was there, there two husbands that you shot, or three? Did I miss that? Let me see. Uh... I married Emerson first and shot him. Where'd you shoot him? Uh, hell, I can't remember. I think I shot him in his side somewhere. I can't remember. And my sister's dead. She can't. I, I could used to could ask her stuff, and she would bring bring it back to me. Mm-hmm. But she's dead now. Right. And then, um, let me see. 
Where did I shoot Emerson at? Did I shoot Emerson in the country down there? Or did I shoot that son of Mitchell when we was in town? Where'd you shoot him on his in his body? It, up a torso. Okay. Like like in the chest? Uh-huh. Well, right before you get there, he was running so damn fast. He turned the corner and I got him. Running at you or away uh-huh. from you? Well, he was running away then when he saw that big pistol, but he was on my ass. He done told my ass up, and I'm not a fighter, you know? I was 110 pounds, and, and you ever heard of the hourglass shape? <laughs> yes, I have. I had that then, and so yeah. I guess that's what was making them so damn mad. You know what I'm talking <laughs> right, about? Right, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm having fun, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. And my first husband was just, he was just mad because he had, they, he had bought a piece of land down there and bought a nice little house and put on it. And I had done all the trimmings and had everything great. And he just thought he was just going to kick me around because I I wasn't going to leave the house, you know. Hell, you can buy, I can buy a house down with us. Right. So I left. And then, you know, if you shoot a son, bitch, it's kind of hard to go to sleep around him again, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. My daddy's secret is if you go shoot him, you kill him so you will not have to watch your back. Right. That was my daddy's motto. My daddy killed a man one time. Mm-hmm. I'm not bragging. Right. I'm just telling you the facts. The reason I'm not afraid because in any time that I pull that gun, you know something's going to mess up real damn bad if I pull that gun. Did, did it messed up real bad. In any of the instances where your husbands were abusive, did you ever have to go to the hospital or any any major injuries? Oh, man. Listen, my first husband beat me up so bad one time, and that son of a bitch wouldn't take me to the hospital in Tyler. He drove me all the way to Gladewater to a little one-horse hospital down there and took me down there and drug my ass up to that door and beat on that door when them people came out and saw me there. He got in the car and left me. Oh wow! He left me there. Yeah. What were what were do you did, did you have any like like serious injuries like that like broken bones or anything? No, I was just bruised up. My face was purple. I had uh, uh, swollen spots where he you know where his fist was hitting my skin and mm-hmm. I guess damaging that membrane and it swelled up. I had something like eggs on me, you know, knots. Yeah. Yeah. On my face. Now, that's when Daddy went looking for him with the gun. Okay. Daddy was going to kill him. Right. And uh, he took he drove me all the way to Gladewater, took me to Gladewater, and drug my ass to that door, and rang that bell, and got in his car and left. Now, I didn't have nothing but my own beat-up ass. Did you always have a gun, or when did you when did you first get a gun? Was it because of the abuse you got the gun, or did you always have one? Well, I bought the gun for protection, you know, for home protection. Because every husband I had, they they were sorry some bitches, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and they all they did was hung out in Gladewater. And then those women in Gladewater, they'll come to your house and whoop your ass about your own husband. Okay? Uh-huh. And I, I don't I don't play I I don't play the dust and shit. So Ain't nobody finna whoop my ass about nothing because I'm not gonna do anything to you to cause that. Right. I my, my, I think last time my dad whooped my ass, I can't remember that, but I know one thing. I told my mother, I said, from here on out, if I have to kiss his ass every morning, I'm I'm gonna kiss it because if he hit me again like he hit me this last time, I'm gonna kill that son of a bitch. 
and that was my daddy. Yeah. And when daddy hits you, you know you've been hit, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and my daddy would be, he'd be mad at my mother, number one, and he would take it out on us. Yeah. Like- I, I, I had a, I had a nice home. I kept a clean house. I kept good food cooked. I worked hard so I, I could have some of the things that I wanted and every damn thing that my children needed because my husband's wasn't about shit. That's when I had, he, he did pretty good there for a minute, but when he saw that I could handle it, I was working at train and I was making good money, mm-hmm. but I had a late baby by him and I had to, I had to work, you know, during the day in order so I could, you know, take care of my baby at night. Right. I, so I had to, and Train was giving me a hard time because he wouldn't come home to, you know, help take the baby to the daycare, knowing I had to be work like 6.30 in the morning. And I'm running late every day, so Train fired me. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me was they fired me, but they, they had to go by their rules, you know. Mm-hmm. And you just couldn't be late for work, and I, and daycare didn't open until, let's see, until 7 o'clock, and I had to be at work at 7 o'clock. Right. So that was a problem. I damn near got fired about that. And then I decided to go to the afternoon shift and I could put my baby in a daycare and then be go to work, you know, 11 o'clock. Let me see. Go to work 3 o'clock in the evening mm-hmm. and then get off at 11 o'clock at night. But then he wasn't coming home to take care of the baby? No, no. And see, the daycare closed at 6. I am the very reason that Candy Kane started a second shift for babysitting. Okay. You know, for, that was a daycare. Right. I'm the very reason that they did that because I told them, I said, I got to work more money by working second shift. So if there's any way that some of y'all can keep my baby, I'll pay you whatever you charge. And I'd be damned if that woman didn't open up a second shift. I can't remember her name, but it's, I think that place is still out there on Henderson Highway. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So that that explains the the husbands. Leonard also mentioned that it's one point you shot Kelvin. Is that true? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Man, you know, I, Kevin lives with me now. Okay. And and uh, I can't even remember why I shot Kevin. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, it would be kind of hard for me to ask him. But I tell you what, I want you to do. I want you. I want you to interview him. Okay, I have talked to talked to him a little. Uh, uh, I don't remember if it was him or Ed that told me a little bit about it. it sounded like uh, you guys were arguing. I think Ed said that he had gotten your face or something and was getting physical with you, and and that I think as Ed put it, she shot his ass. You know not to mess with Mama. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay, I really can't remember. I mean, and I'm six. I'm going to be sixty-eight here in a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, something just has left me, and I can't control it. Right. Age is age is taking over. Your memory seems pretty sharp with a lot of these things. Do you have any memory issues or any medical issues going on now? And in, in your age, you're still pretty healthy. Well, I'm I'm pretty healthy. I'm real damn healthy, you know. As far as that's concerned, because the doctors get mad because they want to give me a bunch of ass medicine to take. One of them had me on nine different pills. I told them I was, I'm bringing this shit back to you because I'm not gonna take these many pills because I don't feel this bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not right. gonna do it. Okay, and then the last thing that that Leonard had said mentioned was he told me that he now, now you had told me before about his brother Allendale shooting his other brother Jerry and killing him right, with, with right. your gun. He told me in the interview right. that 
he thought that you actually were the one that shot Jerry and that Allendale took the fall for it. What happened? Uh-huh. I, I figured that. I figured that because, see, Shorty, that's a little short, no good, little son of a bitch. And let me tell you why he got mad at me and why he's probably saying and doing the shit that he's doing now against me is because I, when I was dating Alan, we were living in the home house down there, you know, his his uh, his grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. And we had everything, you know, I don't, you don't, you don't know me, but let me tell you about me. Wherever I am, it's going to be clean, it's going to be well stocked, and it's going to be food in the refrigerator. Okay. And Shorty came down there. He wanted to move in because all they want to do is, is if one get a place, they all want to go in and stack up on them. Uh-huh. Don't want nothing on their own, you know. Mm-hmm. But they working every day, working every day. And so when we got to the home house, we got it all straightened up and bought new living room furniture. Got the fireplace going, you know, just had everything nice. First thing that summer did to my man, I'm going to sleep back here on the back porch. I don't want no strange ass man sleeping in, in you know, in, in the house where I'm sleeping. Right. Did he not have you know his, did he not have his trailer house at that point? He didn't have, he, Shorter didn't have shit then. He got that trailer house later on. Okay. Uh huh. And then the other brother, AB, he had a, trailer house on down in the back okay and then jerry was living like in fort worth okay but all through life jerry had been whooping on out beating alan's ass you know how his kids grow up you know mm-hmm. and he he didn't he didn't bother the rest of them he didn't he didn't whoop the rest of them but he was just he just picked on alan and uh his mother let me see i think jerry had been in the pen somewhere but anyway, when he came home, his mama was living in a place like up toward Dallas. It wasn't far from here, a little old, little old one horse town. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he when they let him out, he came to her. Okay, you know they they released him to wherever she was living, and the next thing we knew, here she is coming down here, bringing him down to the home house. You know, right? And she knew. That if that son bitch walked in and saw Alan, the first thing he was gonna do is try to whoop Alan's ass. You know, you know how some son bitches, some people are just ignorant, man. Mm-hmm. And it ain't no help for him. And uh, she brought him down there. And see, what did she do? She brought him down there, and she brought her purse in the room where we were sleeping, and we had a couch there, and she had laid her purse down, and she. She when she when Jerry turned his back, she took her ass to that car and got in that car and left. And I guess she got two or three miles down the road before she realized she done left her purse. Right. And she she had to turn around and come back. And she come in that house and got that purse and she dipped snuff. You know. And, she did uh, chewing tobacco. Mouth. No, she was snuff. It's that old brown stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Being a being a little old can. Right. And she had that in her mouth and she was trying to tell me that she forgot her purse and stuff and she was just that shit was running out of her mouth. I said, Girl, what is that coming out of your mouth? You know. Because mm-hmm. she's dropping it all on the floor and shit and I'm you know, I'm a good housekeeper and some shit I just can't stand. Right. And she just she coming in, she got that purse and she tore ass. But what she was trying to do, she brought him down there to leave him. 
Okay. Because when he got out of the pen, they released him to her, and she was living in a little old town, maybe something like Mount Vernon or somewhere. Okay. And and uh, she was trying to bring him down here and get rid of him, and she brought him down there and told her ass, man, we didn't have nothing but trouble then, so we had to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, I left. I left to keep from killing him because he would knock on the door. See, we would cook uh-huh. food, and we would cook enough food so at night so that we could have something to carry for lunch tomorrow at work. Right. And Jerry had got to the point where he would come in, and he would go in the refrigerator and eat all the food. You know, mm-hmm. I got a son do that same shit right now. Just come in and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's, if you got two hams and and two turkeys. He going he ain't gonna quit eating until every bit of it is gone, and he gonna get up from the table and won't even move his plate. Right. He does it right now. So Allendale ended up is she left him, and then Allendale ended up staying there with you guys. Well, or excuse me, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry ended up staying there with Jerry you guys. Jerry ended up staying there. Yeah. Okay. But, but I don't know. And you know what I, else I can't remember? I can't remember how long it was that he was there before Alan killed him. Okay. What happened when Alan killed him? I have no idea. I was in bed asleep. Okay. Was it? I was in bed asleep. Was he, you, even, I think you told me that he shot. shot was fired. Huh? I think you told me that he, he shot him with your gun. Yeah. He took my gun out of my purse and shot him. Okay. Was it inside the house or outside the house? They were outside. Okay. So what what happened? So where you were at, you were inside sleeping. What happened? You said you heard gunshots. I don't. I think I heard Alan when he came back in, and okay. when he came back in, he put the gun back in my purse. Okay. And I asked him, "What the hell are you doing in my purse?" Uh huh. And he said, "I just shot Jerry." Something to that effect. Okay. And that's when that's when I got up and and went out there. I think hell I can't remember, but I think I remember Jerry laying face down in the yard. Okay. I think I think I remember that. And then the next thing I know, goddamn laws was everywhere. The police and they were like those Kilgore and Longview laws and you know, they don't play, they just take your ass to jail. If you if you look cross eyed, goddamn, they'll take you to jail. Mm hmm. Did they did they take uh, Allendale to jail right then? Uh, yes. And let me tell you what else they did. They um confiscated my car. Your I had car? a yellow and white seventy six. Uh, I had a yellow and white seventy six Monte Carlo. Okay. And uh, now seventy seven. And they, when I went to pick up my car. It was a piece of joint laying in my on on my floorboard in my back seat. Piece of and a jo- piece put, of a joint. Yeah. Okay. What Alan did, Alan put Jerry in the car, I think, and was taking him to the hospital. That's what happened. And when he got to the hospital with him, knowing that he had been shot, that's when the law came and got him. Well, they pulled my car. They had my car towed to. You know how people when they. How, how the police had your shit towed. And they impounded it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when I got in my car, I went down there to get it. And when I got in my car, it was a piece of joint laying on the back floorboard. Okay. I don't play that shit either. Mm-hmm. I don't play that. 
And so the first thing I did was just threw it out, you know, right. I threw it out. And the reason I know that that's a game that the police play not too long ago, my son was uh, arrested. He drives one of my cars now. Mm-hmm. And he was arrested, and I went down there to get in my car, and the first damn thing I saw where they had done put a piece of joint, I got a little black ashtray, you know, a little portable ashtray mm-hmm. that I keep in my car for my cigarettes. And that's the first thing that I saw where they done put a piece of joint in there. And I know my son don't smoke uh, weed, and mm-hmm. neither do I. Right. Why they want to do that? But that's trying to frame a black person. That's all that is, trying to frame black people. But I'm, I'm just smart as they are. I check my shit out thoroughly mm-hmm. before I get on the road to make sure that I'm legal. And I don't I don't act no damn fool in no car, so ain't no use in the police. Don't need to even stop me because I'm not one of those troublemakers. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So so did the police come when, that, when, when he shot Jerry? Did the police come to your house or did they go to the hospital? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I can't hardly remember. Okay. How how long uh, was it? Was that before this murder happened with Elnora? What murder? Was was when 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 he shot Jerry? Was that before Elnora was murdered? Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Let me see. Now my daughter was like six, seven, maybe eight years old, maybe seven years old when that happened. Okay. And she forty something now. She like forty five now. Okay. So we're looking and, um, like like thirty years or forty years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. And Alan went to the pen for a while. He mm. stayed about three years, I think. Okay. But uh, they finally let him out because when they after they a person like you maybe, you know, in your category, mm-hmm. re re did you know read that case and shit. And Alan didn't have all Alan was doing was defending himself. The only thing that Alan did wrong was shoot him with somebody else's gun. Okay. That's the only thing he did wrong. But they the kind of people, they don't, I mean, they have guns, you know, like they go hunting, you know, with long guns and stuff. But now, they ain't the kind of people who carry a gun. I carry a gun everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm bad. Even in church, man, I got my pistol in my purse. Mm-hmm. But God knows, okay? So why, why do you think, know. why does Leonard think that you were the one that killed Jerry. Is is that ever come up before? Does he but ever see, that's, uh, see that's, I shot Alan. They you know the guy that I was living with? Yeah. I shot him. You shot him but too? But I shot him. Huh? You shot him too? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? I got no you say you said this fool is crazy, but I'm not. <laughs> I am a protector of myself. <laughs> uh huh. See, Alan had at the Alan was short. He was like four inches shorter than I was. Uh huh. And everybody always had something smart to say about that. So he had gotten to the point where they didn't didn't they ain't never had shit. You know, they they buy old cars and fix them up. You know, and run around and tear them up on weekend and got to be working on them all next week. I don't play that shit. Uh huh. I go to the dealership. I buy me a car. Buy me a new car. Gets me some warranty on it. You know, and drive it. And Alan thought he was just going to wear my car out. And I said, you can't, I'm not going to let you do that. You know, they they couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand it because I was a woman that stood straight up. I took care of myself. And I didn't ask nobody for nothing. I didn't bother nobody. I went to work every day. And every time you turn around, they come up, 
uh, well, let me hold a little something to Friday. Mm-hmm. I said, now listen, when you get paid on Friday, you're supposed to put your enough money back so it's going to last you during the week. I don't give my money away because I can't make you pay me. And that's, that's a fair reason the limit doesn't like me today. Right. Because he couldn't borrow money. Uh-huh. So. And they thought that you were gonna, I was going to be the kind of woman that, you know, they just come in and grab and touch and feel and, you know, everywhere. And I don't play that shit either. Right. So what happened yeah, with. I don't touch you. What happened with huh? Allendale when you shot him? Let me see. What happened with Allendale? Uh, seemed like he was trying to take my car and leave. And he was drunk. Uh-huh. And I said, no, can't do that. I think. I Hell, I can't remember. But I do know that, uh, anyway, we got into a little tussle. Okay. And actually, I think the gun just went off, you know? Uh-huh. I, I know I pulled the trigger, but he was, he was, he was giving me holy moly hell. Right. And, uh, I got the up on his ass. Have you ever been arrested for any of the, the shootings? No, sir. That's the reason I knew I was in the right. I'm trying to protect myself. Were the police called at any of those times? Let me see. I think maybe yes, because they took one of my guns and they kept it a long time. Hell, I went up there and asked my gun back, and then people gave my gun back. Did they really? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I ain't done nothing trying to protect myself, you know? Well, it's, it sounds like you're not a woman to be messed with. That's for, that's for sure. Uh uh, um, not violently. Right. I can smile and grin. I can drink beer. I can drink whiskey. I can drink wine with you. I can do it all. Right. But I'm never going to get myself in a position where you finna run over me right. or misuse me. Well, I completely understand that. Yeah. Uh, especially with uh, what, what you've I got- call myself, I'm what I call myself, I'm a real damn woman. Okay. And I was trained by a man. That was my daddy. Okay. My daddy had to kill a son bitch one time. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay, did you, have you ever uh, have you ever had to defend yourself with a knife, or has it always been a gun? No, I, no, hell, I ain't gonna get close enough to a son bitch right. I don't shoot him from a distance. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he, he may get dust on me. Right, right. Or she. Yeah, he that, could be a woman, too. That makes sense. So, another question, regarding regarding Leonard and, and what he said, did, did you know his... Uh, girlfriend, his his baby's mother, Angela Walker. I don't see that's that's a way on down the road. He used to be he married a friend of mine's daughter, Flo, Flora. Oh, okay. And his his first wife was the one that I knew, Carol, and her mother, and I and her cousin El uh, El Re, We were all good friends. Okay. And so when Carolyn told me that she was sitting to marry Leonard Mosley. I told Carolyn, I said, she's making a mistake. I can tell you because I dated the brother. See, them son bitches want you to come in. They want you to work and do everything. And then on Saturday night when they get ready to go to Gladewater, they want to beat your ass and take your money mm-hmm. and go down there. Now, what are we going to do next week if you take my money? You know what I'm saying? Right. You're already spending all your money in Gladewater. Right. Did you ever meet Angela or did you ever know Angela? I never did know her. Okay, she was a lot younger than him. Um, so, yeah. did did you ever date or have any interest in dating Leonard? Hell no, I hate a short son bitch. <laughs> so yeah, I hate short men because they always try to stand on that rock. You know, they try to stand. You know, like they so goddamn tough. You get mad because you short son bitch. 
<laughs> I think you told and me the I'm same tall, thing. And I'm tall, and I weighed 120 pounds, and all of the all of the little bumps and shit that be on a woman's body was all in the right order. Right. And them son of bitches couldn't stand it. <laughs> they couldn't stand it. How tall are you? I was five nine and a fourth then, but see, I've been fat since then, and I've lost a lot of weight, and I'm back down to like 170. Uh-huh. But uh, everything was in place then. Yeah. <laughs> everything um, was in place. Uh, so, yeah, so so the the whole deal with, with Allendale shooting Jerry and all that, that was years before all this stuff went down with Elnora. Oh, yeah. Years before. So there was, so you, you and Leonard didn't care much for each other for all that time. Well, I never dealt with Leonard because I never liked his attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, you can keep down trouble if you can spot it ahead. Right. And I can, I can spot trouble. I can smell trouble when you're coming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, either I get in my car and leave or I get over here to myself. And if you come over here fucking with me, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be bothered. Just leave me alone. And if you don't hurry up and leave, you're going to get a cap busted in your ass. Because I can't whoop your ass because, you know, my body is frail now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just I just don't play the, I don't play the dozen. I tend to my own business and I don't bother people. I don't have friends. My best friend died a few years back. I had the opportunity to talk to or message back and forth with Angela, which was the girl that Leonard was with uh, at the time when all this happened with, with Elnora. And Angela told me that you had called her and told her that Leonard was still screwing around with Elnora. Is that she lied? That's not something she that lied. That let me tell you something about that. That will that kind of shit to get you killed. I don't play that. I wouldn't give a damn if he was fucking an elephant. Okay, <laughs> in my backyard. Only thing I'm gonna do is shoot the elephant for being a stupid son of a bitch for letting something like that mess with. Me. <laughs> but I wouldn't even shoot him because see he needs to live with it. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't give a damn what he did. Yeah. The, uh... And Angela, as far as she's concerned, that she may know me from sight. You know, like I go to church, and I go, you know, I go places and do things. And they, a lot of people have more to do. It's, let me tell you, everywhere I go, everybody loves me. I'm not bragging. <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody loves me. I don't care where I'm going. More to do. Come here, goddamn. It ain't seen you in a hundred years, you know, because I, I tend to my own business. Right. And I say to myself. Mm hmm Yeah, I thought I'm that... a good person. I, I'm a good person. You hear me? Yep, I hear you. All right. Well, Margie, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and explain all of these things to us. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch again here real soon. And uh, if you need me for anything, you just call me. All right. I will do. I ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> right. All right, Margie. All you right, have a great bye -bye. day. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, after talking to Margie, I think we've learned a few things. Margie clearly isn't afraid of anyone. She feels very comfortable with that gun in her purse and is able to defend herself, as she says that she has done several times in her life. As for my analysis of her interview, I think that for the most part, Margie is telling us the truth to the best of her ability. 
You heard Margie say that she is very healthy, although I do know from talking to her on other occasions and talking to Kelvin and to Ed, Margie does experience a lot of memory problems, especially short-term memory problems. But one thing that I noticed was that she didn't have any issue talking about Elnora's murder. She wasn't uncomfortable about that at all. Even before we started recording, I told her what Leonard Mosley had said and told her I wanted to talk to her about the murder, and she kept going back to the time when Leonard Mosley's brother was killed. I had to keep reminding her that I was talking about Elnora's murder. She doesn't seem to have any real attachment to that. It was almost like talking about Elnora's murder was kind of like just getting in the way. She wanted to talk about other things, not as though she was trying to avoid it, but as though whatever happened that night was not important to her. Another thing that I noticed is towards the beginning, right when I asked her, did you kill Elnora Griffin? Her response was simply no. One of the things that I've learned in the studying and training that I've done is that a typical sign of deception when you ask somebody that point-blank question is that they want to over-explain or answer questions with questions. A simple no answer is typically a good indicator of truth. Did you kill this person? No. Of course it's no, because they didn't do it. Just like Mosley and Johnson and anyone else, we can't write Margie off. But at this point, when I weigh all of the evidence in front of us, all the evidence combined amounts to, we have a woman with a seemingly violent past who doesn't quite remember where she was at that night. And that's it. Now, you heard me mention in the interview that I did speak with Angela Walker. One of the reasons that I began the investigation into Margie was that Angela told me this story that on the night before the murder, Margie called her, told her that she was stupid because Leonard was still screwing around with Elnora, and she says she threatened her with her life. Angela told me that, as she put it, she had something Margie wanted, meaning Leonard. I actually had a pretty long conversation with Angela, but then a ways into the conversation, she asked for anything else to be kept off the record, and then shortly after that, cut off contact. But these details are things she told me before she asked for the conversation to be off the record. She also told me that that same night, someone came to her house and poisoned her dogs with antifreeze. She says that she called the police and had them come out, and that they didn't believe her. Now, of course, this gave me concern, but then after talking to Margie and really thinking about it, the whole thing seems very illogical to me. The incident with Leonard Mosley's brother happened years before Elnora's murder. As you heard, Margie does not like Leonard, and Leonard sure as hell doesn't like Margie. So why in the world would Margie want Leonard and be jealous of Angela? Also, just a personality thing, I think that you probably got the same impression that I got, that Margie isn't the type of person to be butting into other people's business. She is, to put it softly, a straight shooter. I just don't see her going out of her way to call Angela to tell Angela that Leonard was cheating on her. Especially when I spoke with Margie about Angela and she had no idea who Angela Walker even was, both in the pre-interview and during the interview. So that conversation with Angela most definitely throws up some red flags for me. It doesn't necessarily throw red flags up about Margie. It's got me wondering about Angela. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. I want to thank Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all the music for the show. Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logos. I want to thank our executive producer, Mike Bussing, for editing today's podcast. Special thanks to today's sponsors, ABC's Conviction, 
Stamps.com, and Blue Apron. And as always, I want to thank all of you for all of your interaction and all of your feedback. You all really are my sounding board. I really enjoyed the call-in episode last week where I got to talk to a lot of you and get your input and your opinions. It's great to hear your thoughts and theories, but it's also a great way for me to trigger thoughts. A lot of times you listeners will tell me something that will get me thinking in a different direction where I hadn't gone down before. So I want to thank you for all of your engagement and all of your involvement and all of your support. So keep sending in those thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. Send new cases into cases at truthandjusticepod.com. Like the Facebook page or follow me on Twitter at truthjusticepod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.